Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. I'm here with Lucas. What's up, YouTube people? <laughs> YouTube world, hello. What's good? So you were born in Miami, right? Yeah, born and raised. Were your parents born there as well? In the 305. No, my mom is from Oklahoma, and my dad's from Brazil. Oh, wow. Yeah, pretty. They met in the U.S., though? Yeah, my mom went to Brazil as a foreign exchange, and then uh, my dad was driving in a car with a bunch of girls, and my mom was in a car with a bunch of girls and some dude driving. Yeah. And my dad told the dude, yo, let's trade cars. <laughs> yeah. And they traded cars and they just went to, I guess, like a beach thing. And then that's how they met. Damn. What made them move to Miami? Um, I think my grandparents wanted to move because they're from Panama. And I don't know. I don't really know the reason why they went to Miami, but that's how that's how I came about in Miami. I don't know. <laughs> what do they do? My mom works at an insurance company and my dad's been a PE coach at an elementary school for like 30 plus years. Oh, are they creative though? Um, yeah, definitely. My dad is very creative. I used to race carts. He was a race car driver in Brazil. Oh, wow. And was like, it's always been his dream of his to be a race car driver. So when I was younger, like as a sport, instead of playing like soccer and football, I was racing karts professionally. Damn. Wait, yeah. what, what age was this? From like nine years old to about when I was 18. Damn. Yeah, I raced for like nine years. And like super competitive? Yeah, like wow. it was serious, serious stuff. I was actually on pace to going... Like, I was racing with an Indy 500 winner, Dan Weldon. He was my teammate. And um, I was on pace to go to, like, world finals in Egypt and stuff what? like that. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, it's uh -huh. like it's like uh, minor league baseball, you know? Like, yeah. you, you play for so many years, then you get picked up by a team. It's the same thing. Like, it's like a smaller division of racing that you get, you pee, like, the big uh, teams find talent and pick them up and put them into like bigger leagues of racing and stuff like that and uh he was my he was my teammate and the um Dan Weldon and ended up passing away in an accident oh. and at that point my dad was like yeah mm -hmm. it's not wow. for us anymore racing's very dangerous wow so uh I definitely decided to stop that I still do it once in a while they have like little indoor karting places that are fun to go to it's still a passion of mine, but <clears throat> definitely not a good sport. That's not, not a safe sport. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But it definitely that's how I got into all that. My dad's super creative with, with being a mechanic and, and all that kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah. And you do, like, piano and drums and as a guitar, or...? Yeah, um, I mostly play the piano. Um, I started playing piano when I was, like, six years old. I was playing like all kinds of like classical stuff and like Bach and Beethoven and all, all sorts. And uh, 
I did that for like eight years and I was doing oh, like wow. piano recitals and stuff like that. And I got kind of bored of it. I was like, I'm tired of playing classical music. I tried to learn guitar and stuff like that, but I never really got into it like yeah. heavy. For the piano, was that something that, I guess your parents just like gave you classes, right? Yeah, my sister played the piano. So like my mom wanted me to get into piano, I guess, when I was little. And I loved it and I was really good at it. And I like picked it up really quickly. And then, um, yeah, once I got older, I kind of stopped. And then it's funny because I didn't play piano for so many years. And it's like now I almost have to like relearn how to play oh, piano. Yeah. But it's almost like riding a bike, you know? It's, I still know like my motor functions, you know, like I know how to play chords and stuff like that. But there's always more to learn for sure. How do you describe yourself back then growing up? I was a crazy kid. Yeah. I was a troublemaker for sure. I was the biggest troublemaker in my family. I was crazy. What do you do? I definitely did a lot of stuff in high school that I shouldn't have done. Yeah. I dropped out of I dropped out of high school uh, in my senior year, and ended up uh, getting in some trouble. Tried to go to college, didn't do well in college. Dropped out of college. But were you like on? Were you undecided or did you have like a major that you were about no to study? No way, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Look at these guys. Was the college also in Miami? Yeah, Miami Dade College. Oh. And, but you uh, had no interest in that. Your parents, your parents like- I was doing, I was doing music classes. Oh. I was doing like little, they had like a production class where they teach you how to like record on like Pro Tools and stuff like that. And that was pretty cool. But I actually, I met some friends there, Smile. Louis Rubin, they're in a group called oh, Smile, yeah. SMLE. And uh, I met them there and uh, started hanging out, making music together. And um, I would end up skipping class to just go produce music at their house and stuff like that. So I ended up like failing all my classes and wasting my parents' money and all that stuff. Damn. So they were pissed at me. So I needed to pay them back and I wasn't making any money at the time. So I ended up getting a job at my mom's insurance company. And it's a funny story. I, I, it was seven, I, had to, I had to wake up at six to get there at seven. I had to wake up to a stack of like 800 papers that I'd have to like file in numbers all day from like seven to 5 p.m. of like stacks of 800 papers and stuff like that. And I would never get it all done. There's no way. Cause I'd be up to like 4 a.m. working on music I'd like fall asleep at the at the job and stuff like that. So I ended up getting fired from that job. And then I was just a lost cause Damn. for my parents. Yeah. And I told them, I was like, mom, dad, like give me a year. Like just give me a year. Let me focus on like what I want to do, you know? And working on music. Yeah. And they didn't think it was gonna go anywhere. And it's kind of crazy how it all happened so fast, you know? Yeah. What kind of music were your parents playing in the house when you were growing up? Oh man. A lot of James Taylor, um, Javan, a Brazilian artist, um, man, all kinds of music. My dad loves like Phil Collins, oh. The Police. What was the band Phil Collins was in? I forgot the band name. Genesis. Genesis. Oh. My dad loved Genesis, and, like classic rock and stuff yeah. like that. What was the first CD you bought? Did you do you remember? Oh my God! I think it was Linkin Park. Oh, so Hybrid you were like theory. more into like fans. Yeah, so my brother, 
my brother, he's like, he was, he's like 30 something now. He's like over 10 years older than me. He was like super, he was also a bad kid too. So I learned, <laughs> I feel like you. I got a lot of my, my like uh, troublemaker side is from my brother for sure. And he would listen to a lot of punk rock and like ska music, like bands like Strung Out, Rise Against. And that's how I got like more into rock and and those kinds of genres. Yeah. My brother also loved rap and like Eminem and oh, stuff like that. Were you in bands? He was in a band, yeah. I was never in a band. I just kind of did piano. I was kind of all over the place. At what point did he start like listening to more like electronic stuff? Definitely towards like my high school years. It was when like, uh, when I was like a junior in high school, I remember that, or no, maybe like sophomore, freshman, I don't remember. Um, I remember like Steve Aoki Warp was like the oh, biggest yeah. record, like one, two, whoop, whoop. <laughs> and everyone loved that song and it was blowing up and like people also hated electronic music at that time. Like it was not like a trendy thing like it is nowadays, you know? was more of like a niche like genre of music mm -hmm. that only like you know that one group of kids in the in the school liked you know yeah it was more hip-hop and rock and stuff like so that so you're kind of listening to it on your own yeah I mean I, I loved it and I was listening to like like all my friends loved it too so oh. I was like we were listening to a lot of um like Axwell and Grosso like before yeah. Swedish House Mafia was Swedish House Mafia like leave the world behind and all that kind of progressive house stuff was like huge back then and i was like right when ultra like was starting to get bigger and um i remember it was like 2011 was the first ultra i got into and i had to sneak into it because i couldn't afford tickets my parents wouldn't give me money Damn. yeah so i had How to long like ago was this 2011 so yeah. like eight years ago seven years ago it's crazy wow and i had to jump that <laughs> fence it was Massive fence, and I remember it was like a group of like, like twenty of us, and we just all mobbed the fence, and like half of it broke down. We all jumped it, and everybody just ran in. Wow, and you weren't caught, I guess. No, I dipped. I ran so fast, <laughs> nobody was catching me for sure. I ran right into the into the main stage crowd, and there was nobody getting me. When I remember, I got to see Skrillex for the first time, and that was really sick. And then I got to see like. Uh, it was uh, it was it was like Swedish House Mafia before they were Swedish House Mafia. They were like playing as a trio, mm -hmm. but it wasn't really. They didn't have like the brand or anything. Yeah, that was really awesome to see. Energy was insane. Yeah, and that was when I like I like I was like yo, this is it. Actually, the first concert I ever went to, I was in Cancun, Mexico, with my friend and his family and my family, and I was like I must have been like 14. And Tiesto was playing on the beach in Cancun. And my friend, like, loved Tiesto. And I was like, I'm down. Let's go. Yeah. And, like, it was, it like, they didn't care about drinking in, in Mexico at all, like, your age or anything. Oh, So yeah. we just got hammered. And we, I saw <laughs> Tiesto live on the beach in Cancun. It was so sick. That was really awesome. That was probably my, that was my first, like, EDM festival yeah. kind of thing. Did you go by a different moniker when you first started? A different what? Like a different name, like Lucas. Like before Lucas, do you have a different name? DJ Lucas Rigo. My <laughs> name. It's pretty cringe. Why do you, why do you drop the, everything else? 
Um, when I started making my own music, yeah. I didn't like at the time I was like maybe 16, and I was DJing like house parties and stuff. I used to like throw like major ragers. That's funny. It rhymes. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna use that now. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna make major a party <laughs> and call it the Major Rager. Sick. <laughs> and no, I used to throw house parties in Miami that were like insane. We'd like get, we'd I'd pay like somebody like 200 bucks to let me use their house. And at the time, like on Facebook, you could invite like hundreds and thousands of people on your, like to your event. Yeah. So we'd get like all these kids together that had like a bunch of Facebook friends and you just spam invites to like everyone. And I'd like let people in for free if they invited friends and stuff yeah. like that. I was essentially like promoting my own little club yeah. party thing. How are you and I would DJ this? them. I would pay like 200 bucks. Oh, and they would pay entrance fee. Like, and I would yeah. charge entrance fees. Damn, so we'd so profit smart. and we'd slam out like a house. Like they were, the, they were known to be like the craziest parties and I would always DJ them. But so they would always- you were like 19, right? I was like 16. Oh, 16. Yeah. My parents had no idea what I was doing. It was <laughs> super illegal. Like cops were raiding every single party. What? Like kids were out there doing all sorts of stuff crazy stuff damn and you were never caught no i never got in trouble i always dipped as soon as <gasps> damn, the cops you're got so there good at running away from everything like ultra and then this oh yeah so so <laughs> i was a little degenerate for sure and the cops would come and i just pack my stuff though in the trunk of like my buddy's truck and drive we just take <laughs> the money and run and then and we just do it every weekend until it got to the point where like the cops were definitely like onto us yeah because it was becoming like a... You had problems with the houses probably also, though. Were they trashed? Yeah, they'd always yeah. be trashed. They didn't care, though. It was like the houses that I would, we would, be, would be using were not in the best neighborhoods. Oh, so at least they got like paid for it. Yeah, they would just take the $200. I'm like, I, and I would tell them in advance, I'd be like, yo, your house is probably going to get trashed. We wouldn't use the inside. We'd just use the backyard. Oh. Yeah, so we just fill up the backyard. I remember there was one party where like... Um, <clears throat> the cops showed up and I was in the front like talking to some people and the cops just walk up to us and they raid it and I was like whatever like I knew it was going to happen anyway so like they just see the amount of people walking out from the backyard and they were like remember the guy told me he's like honestly I'm not even mad like you guys are fine we're not going to like arrest anybody yeah. I'm just surprised that you could fit that many people <laughs> in this backyard and I was like Awesome, that's really cool to hear. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I miss those days. Like, they eventually got onto us though, like, before the party would even start, like, the cops would be there. Oh, wow. Like, and so they were, like, on Facebook finding the parties, like, before they even oh, happened and stuff true. like that. So we ended up, like, having to stop doing them. Yeah. But I definitely, it, like, that whole idea and concept, like, it was crazy for me to be doing at such a young age. It was like, I don't know, it was, it was a crazy thing. And I want to I want to do it again, like, like now with, like, with my fan base and all that stuff. I feel like it'd be really cool. Oh, that would be really Like sick. a house party tour or something yeah. like that, right? I feel like house parties oh are God, such a yeah. different vibe yeah. than, like, a club venue. Yeah, it's more intimate. Yeah, like, there's, all, there's house venues all around the country that you could use and stuff like that. More like a club venue, but it's a house, you know? Yeah. I think it'd be cool. And then in your like year that you had to prove to your parents? Were you basically like still living with them so you didn't have like many costs? Oh yeah, 
exactly. Yeah. I was living at home for sure. Yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't anywhere else. What so. was the first like kind of small or like big break you got? Yeah. So I remember it was the Tsunami remix by Dubs and Borges. Yeah. I had worked on it with my buddy Helter Skelter, and um, he had sent me the track before it was like released. It was an ID still. I remember I heard it and I was like, this song's insane. Like, this is going to be like one of the biggest records of all time. And he was like, yeah, we should remix it before it even releases. Oh. So that we have a remix ready to go. Oh, wow, yeah. And at the time, that was when like Carnage had made like uh, his Hardwell remix, which was huge, like Festival Trap remix. Mm -hmm. It was like, Festival Trap was like really blowing up. So we had made the Tsunami remix and then... We couldn't get it approved because we had ripped it from a Hardwell oh, yeah. radio show. And um, so we just threw it up as a bootleg on SoundCloud. I guess back then, like, everyone used SoundCloud. Mm -hmm. So I got, I'll never forget it. I was at a party. I was at some house party, and I was on my phone. And my phone just started blowing up because, um, I'll never forget it, AFK Music. You know AFK, yeah. the dubstep producer? Yeah. He um, reposted our remix oh, wow. or a preview of our remix it's like a 30 second clip and it like blew up completely and I was, my phone was just like constant notification blowing up so hard <clears throat> and it did like 300,000 views in like a day and a half that's so crazy yeah wow. so then <clears throat> that blew up and then we released the full remix when the song dropped and then that like blew everything up yeah and then you had and then I started having a team, like you didn't have a manager. Yeah, so then Ethan, my manager, yeah. ended up when he, I guess when he heard it, I don't know, he saw something in me and he hit me up and he was like, yo, I'd, I'd been talking to a few other people to manage me, but nothing was really promising. I didn't really know what I was doing either. Like, I don't, mm -hmm. I didn't know what a manager even did for me at the time. I was just like making music. I told him, I was like, yo, the only way that we're going to be able to work together is if you talk to my parents and convince them that this is like a real thing. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, I got you. And he talked to my parents and like convinced them. How long ago was this? Oh man, that was like five years ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> and then after that, how were you able to get your music like more and more out there? And what were like the bigger milestones you had after that? Yeah, I just kept making remixes and like working on originals like with that same like festival trap sound and um they just kept doing really well like we had gotten on youtube with trap nation shout out trap nation for supporting me and like those songs have like 15 20 million plays on oh, wow. on youtube so i really like took things off for me and i just kept putting on music and the more and more i kept putting on music the more and more people started liking it i started touring started playing shows and like it just kind of everything just grew exponentially yeah. like it's pretty crazy how did the song with florida come about oh man so i had remixed um lowrider by war the george lopez theme song i didn't think it was, anything would come about of it like that remix blew up and um i remember i was out here i had just i had just moved here I was living in Burbank for like six months. I was I was going to Icon Collective, the oh my gosh production yeah. school. So people have. <laughs> and I was in the studio and I was writing a song. And I get an email from my manager with a link, and it was like a private link. He's like, "Don't show this to anyone, but let me know your thoughts." And I was like, "All right." 
So I listened to it, and it's literally the hook of Flo Rida, and he's like, it's going down for real. And I'm like, what? I'm like, it didn't, it didn't say Flo Rida either. Yeah. And it, sound, it sounded like, it sounded like Flo Rida, and I was like, is this Flo Rida? And he's like, yeah. Damn. I'm like, and I knew immediately, I was like, this is a hit record. Like, it's going to be insane i don't know it's just kind of how it came about and it yeah. kind of like ripped the entire remix idea and they used it and made a made a hit record out of it so and what was your reaction when you heard it on the NBA? i was excited i was like this is insane this is gonna be on the radio everywhere yeah. like i knew instantly it was a hit record how about for the nba yeah so when i heard it oh that was when the heat was playing so miami was going crazy that was when the Heat were playing. I forgot who they were playing, the Spurs or something? I don't remember. But it was like the NBA Finals. And they um, they play. it was the song of the NBA Finals. Like every commercial break, every, so time the, every time the NBA, the actual showing came back on after a commercial, they play that song. And then it was, during, it, was in the, it was in the Super Bowl. It was in a scene of Deadpool. You know the strip club yeah. scene? It was in that scene. That was really cool to see. There's a bunch of movies. Pretty crazy. Wow. It's surreal. And one of the most surreal moments was like when I knew like this is the real deal was when I was with my parents and they were out we were out here and they were helping me like go to IKEA or something. Mm -hmm. And we got in the car and the first song that came on was GDFR and I was like, holy <laughs> shit, this is crazy. Wow, that's really like to prove to them like after that whole like And yeah, they were so shocked. To find a job. Exactly, yeah. they at that moment they were like, damn, this is okay, real life. Yeah. Alright, for sure. <laughs> it's lit. Yeah. Was that more of a conscious decision for you to work with more like hip hop artists? Or was it kind of just like thrown your way? I was just doing whatever like I'm still doing that. Like I'm just kinda of doing whatever I want to do, you know? Yeah. Like, when it comes to, like, making a song, like, I'm just going to make a song that I want to make, you know? Yeah. Like, whatever comes to my mind oh. and whatever sound end up speak like ends up becoming, like, is what it is, you know? So whatever sounds good to me, I'm just going to put out, you know? How do you think your music has changed since the early songs you made? Definitely my whole style is changing. I took, like, a year off because, like, I love the music that I've made, and I love, like that sound that bass like i love the bass scene i love the bass community and i love the shows the energy that they bring to the shows like all the fans like i love it it's fun but i don't want to i don't see myself like being in that genre of music my whole career you know i don't want to just only make bass bangers my whole life you know so yeah. definitely want to change i i definitely want to just change my style up and just make music you know, mm -hmm. just make records that are dope and that I think is dope. Yeah. Like, I don't really know what style I'm going to make next. I might make a hip hop record. I might make a house track. I might make an R&B song. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a folk record, polka <laughs> or something, you know? Oh, my God. A country song. <laughs> I'll sing it. <laughs> what would you say have been your biggest challenges so far? Touring is definitely hard. Having definitely relationships hard yeah keeping relationships with people even friends in general girlfriends stuff like that is hard to keep like definitely being an artist and holding relationships with friends that like are still in your hometown like doing the same old thing like it's hard to keep in like touch with everyone when you're so busy meeting so many new people it's like 
it's almost overwhelming when you're meeting so many new people all the time. It's hard to keep in touch with everybody, you know? Yeah. That's definitely a challenge of this life for sure. How would you say you've grown as a person since when you started? Well, it's crazy because I never really got an education. Mm-hmm. So like this is my this has been my education, like learning about the industry, learning about what it takes to be like the best, you know, like what it takes to perfect your craft, like to to learn production, to learn music theory, like to learn how to grow um, relationships with people and and like work well with people you've never met before. Even doing interviews like this, this is like crazy to me. This is like my third interview ever. It's, it's awesome. What does success look like to you? Lamborghinis. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know. I don't really know. Success for me is accomplishing goals that I set. And, and to continue to set goals for myself and accomplish them. I feel like that's just something I'm gonna live by my whole life. <clears throat> like I wanna make, <coughs> this year, last year I only put out like three records. This year I'm gonna put out, I wanna put out at least one song a month. Oh wow. So, like I'm gonna be working really hard to do that. And I remember I had tweeted it. I was like, I'm gonna put out a song every month and if I don't do it, at me. <laughs> Like, let me know. Yeah. Uh, don't don't let me fuck up here. So, no, nah, definitely that's a goal of mine. I'm going to do it. And I want to end up, like, getting to the point where I'm going to write an album, you know? I want to put it together, like, a really cool body of work that I love, you know? Last question. What do you want to be remembered for? What do I want to be remembered for? Uh, not being that's that guy. No. Not being that guy. Uh... Damn, I don't know. That's a hard question. Yeah. How kind and generous I can be to people. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. I don't really know. <laughs> I don't care if people remember me for my music or not. It's just something that I like to do and I'm going to continue to do. I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, see. <laughs> Bye, guys.